Howdy vine trippers. I wanted to take just a moment to talk to you about the Texas Wine Lover website and their phone app for both uh, iPhones as well as Google devices. You can actually download this app, put it on your phone, or just go to the website if you're not an app person. And uh, if you ever want to go visit some of these great locations that we've been talking about in the podcast, this will give you a great information about the place before you go. And you'll be able to find other wineries in the area. So if you want to make a day of it, go see several other places as well. You can search by region. You can sort the listings, find ones that are kid-friendly, family-friendly, even ones that host RVs. All kinds of different sortable listings you can find there in that app and on the website. You can find other things as well in the area like restaurants, accommodations, maybe events that are going on at the different wineries. So it's your one-stop resource that goes hand-in-hand with this podcast. Uh, to be able to find those great places to go visit. So check out the Texas Wine Lover website. It's txwinelover.com or go to their app. You can find it on the Google Play Store or the Apple Store as well. Enjoy your trips among the vines and use that app. Texas Undervine, an exploratory podcast to scout out the best that Texas wine country has to offer. I'm your wine guide, Scott, and I'm here to lead you on an auditory expedition to the vineyards and wineries across the great Lone Star State. Each episode will cover a different vineyard, winery, or wine-related business operating in Texas. You'll hear interviews, descriptions, and details about each location that will excite you to visit and experience them for yourself. Ready to plan a wine tour? Use these episodes to choose the most interesting spots for you and your friends to check out. Most of all, enjoy hearing about the rapidly growing wine industry in the state and what makes our wines and wineries the best. Howdy, fellow vine tripper. Welcome to the very first ever bonus episode for Texas Under Vine. So with these bonus episodes, I hope to provide some great information about some what I call wine-adjacent businesses, uh, where the focus of the episodes are directly towards the wine destinations. There's a lot of different companies and businesses and things out there to help support the wine industry. Things like places to stay when you go to these different wine locations, or uh, wine tour companies, different stores or programs that provide wine from the Texas Hill Country or from all over Texas. And so... These bonus episodes are going to be uh, not necessarily following the normal timeline. They'll just be interjected here and there as I get a chance to talk to some of these, what I, you know, what I call wine adjacent businesses. And so this is the first one and it's going to be about a place to stay in the Texas Hill Country called Renwood Ranch Estates. So having been to the Hill Country many times and having tried to find places to stay for my wine excursions, sometimes it can be a headache. There are a lot of great places to stay, but sometimes finding those locations can be difficult especially finding them in the time frame I'm looking for. But as I've been out there, I've seen a sign for a place that I was curious about called Renwood Ranch Estate. It's near Johnson City. It's actually right next to Venovium uh, on 290. 
It is a group of cottages owned by a couple, Chad and Keisha Watkins, and they've created these cottages. They've hand-built these places uh, for people to stay while they're going out there on the road to, to do these visits to different wineries and places all through the Wine Road 290. And so I decided to check it out, and my wife and I went down there for a stay. We stayed at one of the cottages there, and while I was there, I was able to actually sit down and talk to Chad and Keisha a little bit about their vision and kind of what they've done with this place. Tell you a little bit about it real quickly. It is in the heart of the 290 Wine Road. It's close to Johnson City and, and next to Vinovium, like I said, they are on about 14 acres. Chad and Keisha Watkins are the owners. They they built all of this themselves. It's a very much a family venture. This isn't a corporation or something that kind of is building these locations. They actually had this dream to, to put this all together. And I don't want to take away from their interview, but they had this dream to put this whole place together and build this whole thing themselves. They do all of the work and they bring friends in and family in and people to help them build these things. But they have these cottages. There there are currently five of them right now with three more to come over time and and possibly more slow growth in the future. They they definitely have eight to nine on the radar at the moment with five currently open, as I said. They have both cottages with stoves and cooking materials. So uh, if you want to go out and make your trip, stay there and and cook your own food. They have grills uh, out on the, the porches so you can actually grill food out there as well. They have a fire pit, kind of a communal fire pit where you can go hang out with others, or you can just stay by yourself in your own cottage. And like I said, some of them have stoves. They even have some that they call simple stays that don't have the cooking utensils and the stoves and all that. So if you know you're just going out maybe for a wine pickup party and you just want to have a place to stay for the night before you leave the next day and you're not worried about food and cooking and all that. They have the the simple stay options as well. They can handle groups. So if you wanted to do a takeover and and several of your friends all get different uh, ones of the cottages, so you kind of have the whole place, you can do this takeover. Great. Again, as I said, for those wine pickup parties on Sundays, so you don't have to worry about going to these great pickup parties, drinking lots of great wine, and then making a drive home. You could stay at one of their locations and drive home the next day when you're sober. That's always the best idea. They have very easy check-in and check-out processes. They try to make things as simple as possible for you. Uh, and they have this really cool walking trail to Vinovium next door, which one great little advantage is Vinovium is one of the wineries that actually stays open late. So a lot of nights, Vinovium will be open till 9 p.m. And you can, like like I said, walk this walking trail directly from the cottages next door to Vinovium, enjoy some great wine there, and then not have to worry about driving anywhere. You just walk right back to your cottage. So it's very convenient my wife and I were able to enjoy that, especially on the first night we got there after a long drive in to be able to check into our cottage and then walk next door to Vinovium and enjoy a drink there it was a lot of fun. So like I said, we had the privilege of staying at the estates recently for our anniversary for a trip that we went to visit some wineries. And during that stay, I sat down with Chad and Keisha and was able to spend a few moments with them to find out more about how they built this property and what their vision is for it. So let's hear directly from them so you can get a better feel for it. Let's see, I'm here with Chad and Keisha, and uh, I'm going to ask you, we're, we're Renwood Ridge, and I want to first off just ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself. So what kind of got you into this project and, and, and your history there? Well, Chad and I got married in 2011, and the place that I found for us to get married was uh, up in the mountains, and you rented out the whole property for the weekend. So you had it Thursday to Sunday. And you could do whatever you wanted there. 
you could house 60 of your family and friends up there. You brought in your own food, your own alcohol, decorations, everything. And so I told him that's what I wanted to do for our wedding to save money, being able to do a lot of it ourselves. And it'd be like the little mini family reunion with all of our friends and family. Nobody had to worry about driving or a place to stay or anything like that. So when we got married, we got married there. And then ever since there, it's always been like a little thing just kind of poking at us like you could do this. You could have this someday. You could provide this same opportunity for other people. So that's kind of where it started. It's been a long time coming. Years and years of just asking questions. What would it take? Where do we start? How how does something like this start? Because we didn't have a really good place to ask questions or figure it out. So that was just kind of a takeoff. Let's start with the idea and let's start growing from there and see what it develops into. Yeah. What made you choose the, the Hill Country area? A lot of driving. And so we kind of made a... A comma down through the state. If you think of the state of Texas, a giant comma. And we started up in Tyler and that sort of area up there. I have an aunt and uncle up in Grand Saline. So we started up there, stayed with them, drove part of that area. I was born in Waco. So we started and we kind of cruised down through that area, which was an area south of Waco, but more west of Waco that I really, really liked. And I wanted to explore a little bit more. So we spent some time there with my cousins and my family in Waco. And then we had some friends that were down Texas Hill Country here. And it's like, we got to check out that area. And we we knew we didn't want to go too far west. We didn't want to go too far east and too far south. So we kind of had a general idea, but just to come down, I guess, through the central part, including Dallas is a part of the state. We started looking around and we got to the area. It's like, this is it. And mind you, when we came down looking, we were just before COVID had started. So we're talking November of 19. And by the time we could actually come back out and really dive into the area and ask more questions and look a little more thoroughly, we were in March of 2020. So we were in the middle of COVID. So yeah, that's that's how we ended up here. Did you have any intentions to be connected with the wine industry or I mean, was that ever part of your past or history or thought? Really, I enjoy drinking wine, but it's not... Wine isn't necessarily a passion for me. I just like what it offers where people can get together and share a nice glass of wine and have good conversation. That's the part of the wine industry that I enjoy. And it's the perfect fit for all these places out here. You're having a travel destination. And so people need a place to stay. Very blessed and very lucky to have this piece of property and have Venovium next door for our guests that can just go over there, come back. Yeah, it was great last night, too. Um when, like I said, when we came in last night, we went to Venovium and, and told them we were staying over here. They're like, oh, we'll give you an extra discount for people that are staying there, too. So it's a nice little added bonus we didn't expect. Tried to work with a couple of local wineries where you can get discounts when you're visiting them just because you're staying with us. Yeah. A good partnership. Everybody kind of helps each other out and works together. Howdy, Vine Trippers. Did you know that I now have a merchandise store for Texas Undervine? I only have a handful of limited items, but you can go check those out and wear your Texas Undervine swag. If you'd like to tell all your friends about the great wine locations we have here in Texas and maybe get them interested in the podcast as well. So there are things like t-shirts, There are there's a hoodie, there's a beanie, a ball cap, things like that. But one of the most exciting things I have right now is my limited time offer t-shirt. That's my season one t-shirt. So this is your Tasting Through Texas 
Texas Undervine Season 1 t-shirt. It's only going to be available for a little short amount of time. On the back, it has all the different locations, like a band tour t-shirt. Uh, so this is a limited time item, and you can go out and get it now. And one of the great things about that t-shirt is a portion of every sale goes to support the Texas Hill Country Winery Scholarship Fund. So you know that by buying that t-shirt, you're also investing in the, the growing and flourishing of an amazing wine industry here in Texas and all of those people that are going to come and make it even better. Check out that merchandise store. It's on my website at texasundervine.com. Just go up to the top. You'll see the link for the merchandise store. And kind of knowing what goes on around us, because some of the wineries, you have like West Cave where they do wine and beer. And just to have that. So when our guests say, hey, my husband likes beer and I like wine, it's like, okay, we have a few options. We have maybe a, a few places to consider. Okay. So, well, then tell me about this location's history, how you got it started. So you, you identified this as the area you wanted to be in. How'd you find this plot of land and how'd you get started with everything? So we originally as we were just touring the state and just looking to see where we wanted to zone in, we had an ideal set of acres. We originally wanted to start with at least 20 and we very quickly realized that that was going to present some problems depending on where in the state we were at. So we started with the realtor and said, okay, here's the 20 pieces of property over the course of a week we'd like to take a look at. Um, and he said, okay, let me look at some of the land and deed restrictions and things like that. And let's see what really is viable at this point. That list became four within a matter of 15 minutes or so. And there was two places that were up towards Willow City, north of Fredericksburg. And then there was two places here in Johnson City. Um, we had some concerns over some um, access to water issues on the places that were north of Fredericksburg. And then we uh, started looking at this area and said, well, the water's fantastic here. Um, and it boiled down to two almost overnight. We revisited both of them. We, we liked both sets of property. Um, and we looked at this one and said, well, this one's a little out of the range what we wanted to spend initially, but it's like, this is it. And it's, it's one of those things where we had that gut feeling and it's like, let's go for it. Um, and if it's, if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. And if it's not, that's okay. Um, we'll keep looking. So this is, it really, it was a, a larger list and very quickly dwindled down and everything, all the doors opened, And we, before we knew it, we were, uh, starting the project. We didn't know much about the area when we came down here, but we knew the name 290. And so when we found this property, it's on the 290. Okay, people can find us. That's going to be important that people can find us. So it was like, okay. And then my whole big thing was I wanted lots of trees. And we looked out. <laughs> so when we bought the property, um, as you driving off to your right, where it's heavily wooded, that's what the entire property looked like. In um, May of 2020, when we closed, no power, septic, water, and we just started building and making contacts with well companies and septic and uh, the power company and figure out what steps need to be taken and at what speed and what timelines. And just start navigating that. COVID was uh, very real, but it, it didn't, I guess, stop us from making that progress forward. It's just, you're just shifting those puzzle pieces is all we're doing. I think it actually benefited us with the pandemic that was going on because we weren't in our hurry and we had time. People weren't really out and about doing things so we could stay secluded in our little piece of property here and get the stuff done. So you've got the place located. You closed on, you said May 2020. And then I love the fact that uh, I was reading that you guys provide that little book with pictures and the story of the place in the room. And so I was looking through that and I, I love the fact that you guys built this all yourself. Uh, do, do you have a 
history with construction or what, what put the idea in your mind of, I'm going to build this whole thing by hand myself? My very first job when I was, I had just turned 16 was at a Halloween attraction and it was seasonal. So we would start the attraction setting up in September, October, November 1st, the attraction's over. So then we started with the owner's uh, rental property at that point. So he had 12 apartments and this was, I guess, before flipping became more popular at that point. And he had to gut everything from the walls out. And he had a couple of rental homes in addition to that. And it started off that I didn't know a ton about construction, but he said, hey, I need some help building a fence. Do you know how to build a fence? I said, yeah, I can build a fence. That's easy. Okay, so I built a fence. And he says, hey, I don't have a ton more work, but if you're interested in maybe helping me with some other projects, I'll teach you. And I said, yeah. He said, well, do you know how to do windows? And I said, no. He says, well, I'll teach you if you want to learn. I said, yes, I do. Well, that turned into hardwood floors. That turned into stucco. That turned into siding. It turned into drywall. It turned into kitchens and plumbing and everything. So it, it started, and I was, this is all probably before I was 18. I would say. So it just started developing at that point. And then I had other flip projects and other just projects that we took on. And there was very few things when we started this I hadn't done. And it was some things when we got out here, I didn't need to know how to do. The water wells, that's all going to a separate company. Septic, that's going to a separate company. Um, so we just, we took that foundation and we just started building on it slowly. And you just take those little pieces and learn. And you're always, when I was doing uh, the remodeling um, with Todd, who our third cottage is named after. That's you just, you take those bits and pieces, you stumble through some things at that time, he can help me out, and then we're able to uh, grow at that point. So, and that's that's what it has turned into. There was a couple of things when we got out here that I hadn't done on a regular basis. Uh, my uncle had been in construction for close to 40 years, the one that's up at the Ranceline. So he came down and said, okay, let's shore up a couple of things. He says, you have all the basics. He says, you know how to do it all. We're just going to just shift a couple of things based on his knowledge. And off we went. So I would say probably the biggest learning curve out here was anything dealing with the ground because you have about two or three inches of that softer and then it's rock. So all the, uh, the cottages are, they're sitting on a rock foundation. That took a little bit of getting used to of trenching and trying to get big trenchers and, and dig down. And before you know it, you can only go so far. So is there a story behind the name of the location? So, Chad, the street he grew up on was Renwood Street. And so when I met him originally, he was living on Renwood Street. And then after we got married, we decided um, to buy a house, found a house, bought the house. It was on Renwood. And so when we came out here, we were thinking of all kinds of names, you know, Hill Country. How do you just play with the list of names? And one day I was sitting in my office and I was like, wait, our whole light has been on Renwood whether it's been separate or together, it's been on Renwood. So. And then, so how many cottages do you have available? We currently have five listed. Uh, we are close to having the sixth. We have the foundations for seven and eight. Um, where we're at now, this will be a ninth later on, and then we'll just slowly keep growing. So, and each of the cottages is named after someone who has impacted our life. So everybody has been a big part. So the McCamey cottage is my aunt and uncle who's helped us out with some of the construction and some of the, those basics, the Salceda, um, our best friends that used to live on the same street as Todd Wolf, which was one of my mentors or best friend and Jessica Garofalo. So every, every cottage has a meaning and the stories are on the back of it. So when you built the cottages, uh, did you do those together? Did you do those individually? How, how did you? One at a time um, until we got to 
six and seven, the Anderson and then the one we're working on right now, those two we kind of framed at the same time to kind of get the outside of the building done. But we've always had multiple projects going at any given time. Typically, it was build one cottage, get it up, get it open, start the next. Each of us has, I guess, different strengths when building. Mine is more the logistics, the timelines. And then once we start getting to the drywall, I start to back off and hand it over to her. her. There's a blue book in the cottages. It kind of shares part of the journey and that sort of thing. That's where her creativity comes in, the decor, the things like that. That's where she gets in colors and things like that. And just kind of understanding where my strengths are, her strengths are, hey, you do that. And then how can I support what what she's doing? And then she supports us. We both. It works really well together. Yes. From, I mean, cutting boards to drywall to everything. We're both hand in hand throughout the process, depending on when she's at the hospital working. And when I'm here by myself, it's like, okay, how can we maximize the time? And how can we um, build them together to where we're both getting each other's help doing it? Are they all the same? Or are they different floor plans? They're pretty much all a little different. Um, the Wolf and the Garofalo are pretty much the same. They're the same floor plan, but we started, you know, how it goes when you're starting something new. So we built the first one. It's like, oh, people would really like a stove to be able to cook food because there's not a whole lot of food options, especially during the weekdays. It's like, okay, let's add that. So number two had a stove. And then we got to number three, and I was like, you know, it sure would be nice if we had a little more space in the bathroom, like a little bit bigger vanity, a little more space. So we did that and added the kitchen table area for people to have their meals. So every time we've gone, it's just been, let's tweak this a little bit and tweak that. And then when we got to six and seven, some people, they don't need a stove, a fridge. They just want a place to sleep and shower. They don't, that's it. So we decided to try some that were just what we kind of refer to as simple stays, just a place to sleep, have some coffee, take a shower, and go enjoy the hill country. You guys provide a ton of feedback, which has been wonderful. And one of the things that we were hearing time and time again is it's like, hey, we're going to be gone the whole whole day. Or we have a lot of guests that come in with Garrison Brothers with a distillery and they're doing the volunteer bottle in there. Or it's like, hey, we're just coming through the area after vacation. We'll hit a couple of winers and continue on our way. We don't need everything. Do you have something more simple? It's like, you know what? That's a great idea. Let's take that idea and let's let's build upon it. So it's the idea originated from listening to guests and just having their feedback. What what do they want? How can we serve them? So is there a way for listeners to kind of see what the cottages look like inside and so forth before they... Decide to come out and rent one? On our website or on, uh, if you're looking through Airbnb to book a room. So if you go to renwoodranch.com, that has all of the listings. Um, all of the cottages have stoves. Or I'm sorry, all the cottages have barbecues. Uh, three of them have stoves. Uh, everything has a kitchenette. Everything has uh, coffee that's supplied, uh, your full coffee pot. Um, if you're here for a longer stay, so we have two and three week reservations that come in, especially in the springtime. Um, you have access to all the uh, laundry that's here. So they're all, they all have the basics. Um, the, I guess the biggest difference is going to be whether it has a stove uh, oven, that combo. Um, some of them have a full-size refrigerator, some don't, and that's all listed on the website. And decor, that's really about the only thing that's different. It's similar, but it's different. And all of our pictures are updated online so they can see exactly what a cottage looks like and what's available in it. If they see one they like and they think, I want to do this, how do, how do they book the cottage? 
Currently, if it's on Airbnb or the RBO, just depends on the platform that you prefer. You can go there. Can they find those links through your website directly to those, or do they need to search for that on Yes, yeah, okay. So if you if you go to our Instagram or Facebook, there's links to our website there. Then the website will take you to either of those. And then uh, there, a couple of the cottages also have videos to where you can see real type video. This is actually what it looks like. This is what it it comes with. We're not we're not using fancy photography or, or anything like that. This this is real. And have you found there are seasons that are busier or slower than others? Best times to come visit. So for us, once Valentine's Day weekend starts to roll in, um, that's when it really starts to pick up, especially March and April. And then um, July is one of the busier months. August is one of our slowest. January is one of our slowest. And then it starts picking up with October, Festival October, November, especially um, uh, when the kids are out of school for Thanksgiving break, December with the the lights here in Johnson City, um, that sort of thing. I guess the simple formula is when the kids are going back to school or there's a big end of the year event, it's a slower time. And when the kids are out of school, so your spring breaks, your Thanksgiving breaks, your Christmas breaks, that's when it tends to be a little bit busier. Um, so yeah, January and August are slower. That's when we offer our lowest rates. And then come the spring, it's it's pretty busy. Just there's a lot of wine pickup parties. There's a lot of events in the area. And are you open 365? Is there Are there blackout dates or minimum stays, uh, number of days or things like that. We do two night minimums. Just, um, for us, we've had some challenges getting cleaning help on the weekends. So it's, it's harder to do the one night stays. So if we can break that up, we do two night stays, um, during spring break, Thanksgiving break, uh, Christmas break, we do two night minimums. If you're coming in with the exception, we have one cottage, soon to be two cottages where you can stay for just one night. Any, like I said, blackout dates or things like that. No blackout dates for Christmas. There's no Thanksgiving. We're we're here. It's about how long in advance should a customer think about making a reservation. We always encourage people. You can always reach out to us because, like the the next cottage that will become available, they, if we don't have something available, always contact us because I can always put you on a waiting list or something like that. And that's what happened Thanksgiving of this past year. That cottage was before it was ever listed. We have m- multiple reservations just waiting for us to. To make it go live. There's not really a waiting list. If somebody wants to book, let's say spring break right now, and spring break is full, there's not really an actual waiting list to be put on. If you know it's a busy time of year down here, kids are out of school, people are off work, you want to try to make your reservations pretty good in advance because we do fill up for those vacation times pretty early. Weekends without question are are one of the busiest times for us. Um, our second busiest times are like Sunday nights. So there's a lot of wine pickup parties and guests don't want to drive home. You can stay for one night. Sundays are real, a lot easier to get into. Typically the weekends though, they're exponentially um, more demand than a weekday. Through Airbnb, if your plans change, as long as you cancel within so many days, then you can do that. It's not, you know, permanent. You're stuck with it once you book it. And we've worked with guests in the past, especially when we have had the 2021 freeze and a couple other things. If the roads get so bad down here that staff isn't going to work and nothing's open, regardless of cancellation policies, let's work together because we've had more than one freeze down here where the temperatures start dropping so fast that we're within the cancellation window, we refund everybody because we turn into a safety issue at that point. And we want you to come down here and have a wonderful time. If everything's closed, look, let's reschedule you or let's refund you. It's And we'll leave that up to the guests. It's their choice, what they want to do. We've talked about 
kids several times. Is the place kid-friendly? Do people bring kids here? Do you have multiple bed type of settings, options, if people bring kids? Right now, we only have one cottage that has the option with a pull-out couch. Most people don't bring children. Some people do. Usually, it's little ones. It's infants or young kids coming with them. We haven't had a lot of we haven't had a lot of kids. It, they're perfectly capable of coming, and they're welcome to come. Just most of our cottages are built for two people. What about pets? What if everybody wants to bring Fido with them or their sugar glider? So we are pet friendly. So um, we have three cottages currently pet friendly, soon to be a fourth. Um, and then we will have two that will not be. So you bring your pets. Um, we just asked that um, the larger pets we discourage. So, but yeah, we have multiple um, cottages where you can bring them, bring a couple of them and yeah. And we have two that are not pet friendly in case you do have allergies to pet dander and whatnot. There's two cottages that we don't allow pets in. We have a couple of projects that are in the uh, works and one of them is a, is a just a dog run to where guests can take their dogs out. They can sit by fire and let the dogs run or just take them out during the day and have a little bit of freedom and do their thing. Are there any maximum kind of group sizes? Like, let's say, I don't know, you said most of them are kind of configured for two people, but what if somebody wanted to say, we want to, we got a group of people that want to come. Can we do multiple cottages and kind of do a takeover kind of thing? It's great for us because we can be a little bit more uh, flexible. So we try to make it a quiet time here at 9 p.m., want to be respectful of the neighbors, but to be respectful of other guests also. Some people, I would say most people come here for a quiet weekend uh, away. So when we get messages and we'll have people reach out to us and say, hey, we want to rent everything. No problem. That happened, I think, the weekend before Thanksgiving break. Everyone comes in. They're like, do you mind if we stay up and make noise? Oh, no, do your thing. Go for it. So they'll be out to the, you know, at the fire pit till one o'clock in the morning, whatever. And they're all connected. So we don't have to worry about the noise level. And, and they'll set up in the middle of the driveway. Um, there's a big um, event coming in April of 2024. And those are things like that where we that we're going to have groups of people that are all coming in for the same reason. And we just, we flex. I'll just say the uh, the rules just because we want everybody. I guess there's a different outcome for that. So yes, to answer your question, we, we, we have large groups that come in and they, they book out the entire place. So what can a listener expect when they come to visit? So they found the one they want, they booked it, ready to go. Now they're going to be driving in. Uh, what's the check-in process, check-out process? What does that look like for a listener? It's very simple. They will receive their instructions um, in email, and it will have the code to get into their cottage. Um, and it's come before 9 p.m., check yourself in. You've got your own key to the place, so you just take that with you wherever you go, and it's yours. And then check out? We try to keep the check-in and check-out process as easy as possible. So we'll send that information to you 9 a.m. the day before. Come in, check in. You don't eat us for anything. There's a lot of times if we're out of time, out of town, you won't see us. Um, do your thing. As far as check-out, we just ask you to return the key to the key box. Um, if you use any dishes, just leave them in the drainer because we go back through and as a part of the cleaning process. Um, and we try to leave it down to those two things just to keep it as simple as we can. The only thing we ask is that if there is anything that happens in the cottage, you know, dishes break, things spill. Just let us know if we can take care of it and treat it and have it ready for the next guest that comes in the next day. But I am a huge, like, clean is a huge thing for me. So we clean probably a lot more than necessary sometimes. But I always found it funny that when I go to a hotel, the maids have their cart. But I never see bedspreads or blankets on there. 
And so that was like a huge thing for me. Everything is getting washed down to the pillow protectors, like clean. So tell me about plans for future growth. I know that you were talking about, you've worked on, you're working on seven and eight right now. How many cottages do you tend to want to have at, at any point in time? And Definitely going to be nine cottages for, um, for starters. There is plenty. So we're in 14 acres here. There's plenty of more room for growth. Um, with the front portion of our property being along the 290, we're looking at possible construction build out for commercial space down there as well. We don't know what that looks like. Um, that's something that we're exploring though. We're trying to add more spaces. So like the fire pit area, that's going to be developed further. Um, we need a central location. So one of our pump houses right now, that's going to com- be configured into more of like a snack shop. So if someone comes in and they're like, hey, I want a soda or I want this. We want it just to where to go to. You don't eat us. You go in there, you do your thing. And it's it's set up so where guests can grab different things. Hey, we're here for six nights and we need more paper towel or something like that. Hey, it's all in there. Just just help yourself. So we're trying to incorporate a lot of little things, dog runs, things like that. Very self-sufficient for the customers to be able to go in and take care of whatever they need. Yes. So if we're out of town or we're away, we're, we're, we're busy, uh, especially when we start building the cottages, we're tied up all day long from um, when we start building, we try to start, don't try not to make too much noise before 10 a.m., but then we'll go eight, nine hours solid. And it's it's a little bit harder for us to answer messages and that sort of thing for that, that week that we're at 100%. We constantly hear a couple of things from guests. It's one, we will be back in two. You guys offer more than any other Airbnb we've been to. So, and it's like, well, that's great, but I think we can still add more. There's still more opportunity that's out there. Let's, let's keep growing. Let's keep building um, and developing that idea. And we're never going to be done. It'll never be done. We're still clearing property. I mean, I'm sure as you walked in, walked into our house, it's, you can see there's projects everywhere and we kind of do it based on, sometimes it's based on weather, based on season, when we can cut on trees, um, when materials are chimpa. So it's, it's just always a little bit of something. And then of course she works full time. So it's a lot of, it's just, it's a balancing act. There are a lot of places to stay in the hill country. And so if, as listeners are going out and trying to decide where do we want to go, we're going to take a wine trip or we're going to go somewhere. We want to stay there. What, what would you say is the number one thing that sets you guys apart from all the other places they could stay? Why would a listener want to come here? I would say when we built this place in mind, my main goal was I wanted it to feel like after a day you're coming home. Even though it's not your home, I want it to feel like a home. I want it to be cozy. You can put your feet up on the couch. You can drink your coffee in bed if you want. I want people to feel comfortable, calm, and like their home. We always encourage guests, hey, reach out to us. If you have questions or something goes wrong or whatever, reach out to us. Let me see if we can guide you. So right now we're having a lot of uh, reservations for Valentine's Day. And my next, when I see the reservation come in, my next response to them is, if you're planning on eating it, fine dining. Hey, here's, here's maybe a couple of suggestions, but wherever you choose make that reservation now or if guests reach out to us and they're like hey you know we're members of x winery and we love it there but we're looking for a new place reach out to us and we'll at least hopefully be able to help guide you on something else that may be um that you may love so guests will ask hey you know we're um we're only in the area on these days where do you recommend or hey um, we're looking for a place to eat hey reach out to us let's how can we help you if there's an issue or if, if something comes up? Hey, just reach out. Let us know. Let's let's see how we can all um, how we can help you at least guide you and hopefully help enjoy the the hill country experience more. 
I guess the only other thing I would add is that a lot of times people only know Fredericksburg. They only know the wineries in Fredericksburg. And if you actually look at a map of the wineries just within this area, how many did you say there were? So we have 35 wineries, breweries, and distillers within 10 minutes of our front gate. And that number is growing. Everything is starting to head towards Johnson City, but most no go to Fredericksburg. And it's it's slowly starting to work this direction. And a lot more of the wineries are offering uh, food options. So that's a good thing to look up, not just the restaurants, but which of the wineries, how late they're open, and do they offer sandwiches or pizzas or food options. And we've mentioned if you get the Texas Wine Passport, and let's say you want to start in Burrett, or you want to go down south, or you want to head towards Dripping, Johnson City is more the central location to everything. It just, it, it really depends on what you want to do. The, the wine passport, in our opinion, is a great way just to try the new wineries you haven't tried. Try a couple on the way in on the passport. Do your normal or maybe try a few more on your second day you're here. And then on the way out of town, one or two more. And that's Renwood Ranch Estates. Chad and Keisha are amazing hosts who look after all of your needs and try to anticipate them before they even arise. The cottages were comfortable. They provided everything we needed for our stay and more. They even have a small area full of flyers for different wineries and destinations in each cottage. They mentioned to me that they don't want to be known as a place to get wine. They want to send you to all of these great wineries in the area. So they're really good about promoting the, the fellow wineries are in the area and trying to give you information about those great places that you can go. And one of the added touches I enjoyed also was uh, they had a small container of just breakfast bars, oatmeal packets, and even some microwave popcorn for those late night or early morning snacks, you know, just little added touches. Uh, you can bring your own food and cook either in the kitchen if you have a stay at a cottage that has the stove or on the grill of the cottage. I think Chad had mentioned that all of them have a grill, whether or not they have a kitchen or not, you still will have access to a grill out on the porch. Um, the decorations were beautiful inside. It was very tastefully done. Keisha did a great job of, of putting the inside of these places together. Uh, they even provide trash service if you need it. So uh, if you fill up your trash for whatever reason, you can just put it right out on the porch and they will come pick it up and haul it away for you. There was an added bonus too on the table in the cottage. There was this book that they had created full of pictures and the stories of their journey in creating this whole place at Renwood Ranch. It provides this really personal touch to the whole experience. It's nice to know that we're supporting real people out working to make this a fun place for you to stay on your trips. It was also touching to see a plaque inside the door to the person that the cottage was named after. They mentioned in the interview that each one of them was named after someone influential in their journey. And so being able to see that and to see the person that the cottage was named after and kind of impact that they had had in their life was, was really touching and really neat, neat out of touch. And lastly, that little connecting path that I mentioned to Venovium, which stays open later than most tasting rooms, uh, was a great addition. So go check out their website at www.renwoodranch.com. That's W-R-E-N-W-O-O-D-R-A-N-C-H.com. You can learn all about their different cottages, see pictures. They have videos up there, some of them that you can kind of see the inside uh, and directly book any that you're interested in. When you go see them, make sure to tell them you heard about them on this podcast, Texas Undervine. Well, that's it for this bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For future bonus episodes, again, I hope to bring you more info on other places to stay, wine tour companies, 
other wine type businesses as well. So keep an eye out for those in the future. There won't be an exact schedule for those. They'll just be kind of interspersed in as we go. But if you are enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and possibly review the show wherever you get the podcast. As a new podcast, getting those ratings and reviews really helps me move up to get seen by a wider audience. And so then it can hopefully get more good content to you sooner. I also, like I said, appreciate any feedback you have, good or bad, for the show. I'm always looking for ways to improve. And if you'd like to become a Patreon, uh, please go to my website and donate a little bit per month to be able to see things like background photos, video walkthroughs. You get sneak peeks as to where I'm headed on the road next before anyone else knows about upcoming episodes, all kinds of fun things. So I would appreciate whatever support you'd be willing to provide as well. For just that small amount every month, you can get access to these bonus features and it really helps me carry forward with what I'm doing since this is a labor of love for me. So subscribe to the podcast, follow my socials to be notified whenever the next episode is posted. And until next time, as always, happy trails and bottoms up y'all. Thanks for listening to Texas Under Vine. We strive to provide you with the best information about wine businesses all over Texas. Be sure to check out our website at texasundervine.com and follow us on our socials at Texas Under Vine to stay up on all the upcoming episodes. Please email us with any suggestions or feedback. Also, contact us if you're interested in donating, sponsoring, or advertising on the podcast just to help us cover our expenses and bring even more great info to you in future episodes. Above all, travel safely, and most especially, drink responsibly. Vine Trippers, have I got a deal for you. So if you haven't checked out the Texas Wine Club yet, you have to go check it out. So you can get wine clubs at all of these different great wineries that I've talked about in the episodes. But if you can't get a chance to get to those places uh, and you want to sample some of those various wines, this is the perfect fit for this podcast. So I've partnered with Texas Wine Club. If you go to their website, they scour the whole state. They choose great wines from all over the Texas wineries. And they put them together into packs that they ship out every quarter. You could pick out a, a package of three, six, or nine bottles. And every quarter, you can get a taste of different wineries throughout Texas without having to travel to them. So if you've wanted to taste some of the great wine I've talked about on this podcast, here's your chance without having to travel. So what you're going to want to do is go to www.txwine.com and pick your package that you want to try. And when you put in my code, Texas Undervine, that's all one word, T-E-X-A-S-U-N-D-E-R-V-I-N-E, as your coupon code, you'll get $20 off your purchase. So head on over there. You can also find the link in the show notes here for this podcast and go check out Texas Wine. They're a perfect fit with this podcast. So go drink some great wine.